Coming to you live from the Republic of Texas and broadcasting around the world, this is the Max McGuire Show. This is our last chance to take this country back. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is losing his mind. He still betrayed this country. Come on, man. So get ready, because the Max McGuire Show starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Max McGuire Show. It's been a second been a little bit. My name is Max McGuire. Apologies for the hiatus. Not something I ever intended to do. Uh, I posted this on Telegram, but when I started this show, um, I had obviously left my previous show. Didn't know what I was going to be doing in the future. So say, hey, let's do this. I enjoy it. I always knew, though, that when I got a job, I wouldn't be able to do this full time because, I mean, it's it's hard to do meetings when you have podcasts, and I, I don't like putting out bad shows. I don't like putting out half-assed shows. I like to make sure that what I put out is well-researched, well-thought-out, well-planned. I don't want to just come out here and sit and talk for half an hour to an hour and just make stuff up on the fly. Um, so, took a little hiatus. It wasn't intentional. Apologies for everyone who was missing me. Um, I will be figuring out a new time slot for this show. Probably not going to be middle of the day anymore because, as I said, it's harder to do with meetings, with uh, with onboardings, things like that. But obviously today, the big news is that the GOP has reached a compromise, quote-unquote compromise, on gun control announced last night. John Cornyn broke the news, and I'm going to read all of the backstabbers' names out for you. It includes John Cornyn. Chris Murphy, Democrat, Tom Tillis, Republican, Kirsten Cinema, Democrat, Richard Blumenthal, Dem, Roy Blunt, Republican, Cory Booker, Dem, Richard Burr, Republican, Bill Cassidy, Republican, Susan Collins, Republican, Chris Coons, Democrat, Lindsey Graham, Republican, Martin Heinrich, Democrat, Mark Kelly, Democrat, Angus King, Independent, really Democrat, Joe Manchin, Democrat, really Independent, Rob Portman, Republican, Mitt Romney, Republican, Debbie Stabenow, Democrat, and Pat Toomey, Democrat. For those counting at home, those are 10 Republicans who have agreed to with Democrats on a framework. Now, this isn't a full bill. So as I go through this today and explain what's in it, what it means, remember, this isn't a full bill. There is still time for Democrats to include poison pills in this and for Republicans to bail. And there's still time for you, the constituent, to put pressure on your members of Congress, your congressmen, your senators, to push back against this. And I must also say that the outrage from the Democrats is almost unbelievable. As we go through this, they're going to be getting a lot. If this passes, they're going to be getting a lot of what they want, infringing on our rights, chipping away at that Second Amendment. But the talking point from Democrats today is that it's not good enough. So while I think this will pass, likely with Republican support in the Senate, there's always the possibility that Democrats in the House try and kill it. Say it doesn't go far enough. If that happens, look to Republicans to fill that gap and help pass it, as always seems to be the case. So today in the podcast, we're going to be going through the nine, nine different parts of this gun control compromise. And if you've read my book, you know that I use the word compromise very loosely. And again, if you haven't already picked it up, the conservative's guide to winning every gun control argument available on Barnes and Noble and Amazon today links are in the description. When I talk about compromise, I'm, I always use air quotes in the book. I actually use real quotes because it's not really a compromise. 
A compromise involves give and take. A compromise involves one side gets something, the other side gets something, and both sides agree not to get everything they want. As we go through this, I want you to look and ask yourself, what are gun owners getting? Is this a compromise? What are gun owners getting? Now, first of all, you never compromise on constitutional rights, and that, that's I make that very clear in the book. But just the definition, I've always really hated that they call this a compromise because there's no pro for gun owners. There's nothing we get in return for giving them what they want. So remember that. Think, think about that as we go through this list together today. So the number one worst part, in my opinion, worst part of this bill is right there at the top. And remember, this is a John Cornyn, Republican from Texas, proudly putting out this press release. And at the top of the proposal list, he says, quote, support for state crisis intervention orders. These are red flag laws. Quote, provides resources to states and tribes to create and administer laws that help ensure deadly weapons are kept out of the hands of individuals whom a court has determined to be a significant danger to themselves or others, consistent with state and federal due process and constitutional protections. That last bit is hogwash. There is no such thing as a constitutional red flag order. I go through it in my book, but I've said it many times on this podcast and my previous podcast. Red flag orders are inherently unconstitutional because they treat people as guilty until they can be proven innocent. And it allows a a judge to suspend someone's constitutional right, not after their guilt is proven beyond a reasonable doubt. But as you see here, they have to be determined to be a significant danger. It's a preponderance of the evidence standard, at least 51% chance that they are dangerous. And there's no definition for what dangerous is, right? It's up to the interpretation of the judge. If you own a gun and you have a sign on your front door that says this house doesn't call 911, well, cops could say you're dangerous. You're dangerous. You're vigilante. That's why I always, whenever I see people putting those signs up, I always warn them because there is a legal argument. It has been made in some jurisdictions that if you put that sign up that you're asking for trouble. And there have been prosecutors who've tried to go after people who ended up having to use their firearm in a self-defense situation. So this bill does not create a federal red flag system. What it does is it, quote, incentivizes states and apparently tribes to create their own red flag programs by creating grants. Now, we're going to have to see what this looks like. We're going to have to see how this gets written because, again, this is just framework. The devil is always in the details. But it sounds like they're going to dangle money in front of states to try and entice them to creating their own red flag programs. So the fight is still will always be at the state and local levels to stop this, right? It doesn't matter how much money they dangle in front of a state, as long as conservatives and and Republicans are fighting back against us at the state level, we can still stop it. The problem is Republicans aren't fighting. And two, a lot of these states are already passing these anyway. I mean, Florida has a red flag law. But the, the devil can be in the details because if they write it in a manner that uses existing federal funding. Like it's one thing to say, we'll give you extra money to create red flag laws. If they put conditions on current federal funding saying, hey, the only way to keep getting this money is to pass a red flag law, that would put a lot more pressure on states to pass this. And I've talked about this. Again, I don't want to beat the dead horse, but I've talked about this a bunch in my book. Red flag laws are dangerous. This is a 2018 story. 2018 story of Gary Willis, a 61-year-old man who woke up at 5 a.m. to be pounding on his door in, uh, in Anne Arundel County, Maryland. He didn't know what was happening, so he brought a gun to the door. 
Well, it turns out police were pounding on his door to issue, to basically carry out a firearm confiscation order under Maryland's red flag law. You see, it, it turns out Gary Willis had gotten into an argument with family members. And the last I heard about this, a family member had turned him in almost out of spite, it seemed. Now, maybe that changed. That was the earlier, that was the early reporting on it. So when he gets to the door, he has no idea what's going on. The police think he's dangerous because the judge has already declared him more likely than not to be dangerous. So when he he answers the door with a gun, all of a sudden it's very tense. He has no idea. The cops start trying to take his gun away. He's not even privy to the confiscation order. So he feels like his rights are being violated. There's a scuffle. A shot rings out. And when the dust settles, he has been shot dead in his own doorway by police officers. He has committed no crime. He has not had a day in court. He has not had, quote, due process, as um, Cornyn promises there would be. He shot dead in his doorway because he has no idea what's happening, and the police have already been told he's dangerous, even though he's never seen the inside of a courtroom, even though no charges have been brought against him. This is what red flag laws look like. Now, uh, I, I get people say, oh, well, we have to, what, about, what if people have real red flags? The problem is this gets used against innocent people. Gary Willis lived and died an innocent man. He remains an innocent man. No one has ever alleged he broke the law. No one has ever alleged he was a criminal. And yet they were able to take his guns away anyway. And an encounter that ultimately led to him being shot and killed in his doorway. So that is why I hate red flag laws. This bill, this, this compromise will create an incentive program for more states to roll out and expand their own red flag laws. So obviously the fight will continue to be at the state level, but it's really shameful that the GOP agreed to this. I, I Based on what I was hearing, the Democrats were pushing for a national a national uh, 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 red flag law. That would have been really hard to do because it, it would clog up federal courts. This seems to be the compromise, but remember, there's no compromise. All that that compromise is is the Republicans saying, hey, we'll give you half of what you want. So the second one is investment in children and mental and family mental health services. I don't have a problem with this at all. It, 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 if we can de- dedicate money to helping kids and, and adults in crisis going through mental health crises, do it, right? Absolutely do it. The problem is this is being presented as the GOP win. The GOP is presenting this as, hey, we had to give up some of your constitutional rights in order to get more funding for children and family mental health services. Seems like something we should just be funding on our own. It shouldn't necessitate having anyone's rights taken away. This one is another one that's going to basically depend on the devil in those details. Protections for victims of domestic violence. Democrats are doing a victory lap saying that this framework will close what they call the boyfriend loophole. The bo- I, mean, I just want to be absolutely clear. The boyfriend loophole does not exist. It does not exist. I want to explain what that is. This is 18 USC section 922G, and then also some parts are an N. This is the list of federal prohibited persons. So under the Gun Control Act and later bills, if you do any of these things, you lose your right to carry, a, or, carry or possess a firearm. So we know most of these, right? Convicted in a court of a crime punishable by a imprisonment of one year, that's a felony, right? If you're a fugitive from justice, if you're an unlawful user addicted to a controlled substance, uh, hint, hint, Hunter Biden, 
If you've been adjudicated mentally defective or committed to a mental institution, if you're an illegal alien, been discharged dishonorably from the armed forces, if you've renounced your citizenship, if you're subject to a court order restraining the person from harassing, stalking, or threatening an intimate partner or child of the intimate partner that already exists, or if you've been convicted of a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence. So the Democrats are claiming that that word intimate partner isn't good enough and that it doesn't apply to people who have one night stands or very short courtship, short, uh, short dating period. So they want to expand this to include restraining orders that a girlfriend will file against a boyfriend. They dated for a couple of weeks. He creeped her out. She gets a restraining order against him. Now that's going to go into Nick's. That's what they're talking about. Now, there are lots of creeps out there and women should have every right to use these powers, these restraining orders to protect themselves from the creeps. Absolutely. But I think we all know someone who got into a relationship, it went sour, and the other side alleged that they were hitting them or that they were abusive or that they were verbally abusive or they were stalking or they were violating their personal space. Right? This often happens during custody hearings. When, when people are getting divorced or, or, just, or just regular divorce proceedings to split assets, a vengeful spouse will claim that the other spouse is dangerous. And without any real hearings, without any actual charges being filed, a restraining order gets put on the usually the husband so that he can't go anywhere near his soon-to-be ex-wife or vice versa. Usually it's the husband, though. Under this proposal, this, this framework, those kinds of things would be added to the FBI's national instant check system. So when you go to get a, buy a firearm, if you had been a subject of a restraining order in the past, that would come up and you'd just suddenly be a, a prohibited person. Again, devil's in the details. I don't see anything in this that promises there will be an appeal process. I mean, I, I've never had a restraining order against me, but I know people who have. Right? They got a little bit too into a, a girlfriend or boyfriend in the past. Things got a little heated. Right, They get a restraining order. Now they've moved on. They've moved on. They've never been charged with a crime, but they move on. Well, under this proposal, that would suddenly become, make them a prohibited person. And this is where it really gets dangerous. I don't see any way to not, for this not to be retroactive. I suspect that there are a lot of people out there who have had some of these uh, restraining orders placed against them who currently legally own firearms. What happens to them? What happens to them? What happens to the person who was accused without evidence by an ex-girlfriend of stalking her, had a restraining order placed against him when he was in college. Now he's 40 years old. He has a fam, a wife and two kids. Um, completely different person has a firearm in the house to protect themselves. What happens to him? What happens to his firearm? He becomes a prohibited person, retroactively loses his gun rights. And this is a really hard, I mean, not hard, it's easy. It's an easy, it's an easy debate. But the, the philosophical question of how do you take someone's guns away for committing a crime that at the time it was committed, or even not committed a crime, getting a restraining order, where at the time it was filed, did not make them a prohibited person? retroactively taking someone's guns away is is terrible. It's disgusting. And if they get away with this, imagine what would come next. Imagine what would come next. 
they're talking about going into the past. And, and again, just like the red flag laws, to get one of these restraining orders, you don't need to be convicted of a crime. You don't even need to be charged with a crime to get a restraining order or a protective order against you. So all of a sudden, you're talking about doing this to innocent people. Or if they were convicted of stalking or harassment, online bullying, revenge porn, these are all, in some states, charges that would now make them a prohibited person. Now, are some of the people who have been convicted of these crimes dangerous and probably shouldn't have guns in their house? Probably. I guess there's, there's probably some. But are we willing to disarm the rest of them in the interest of disarming those few? And to me, that doesn't make any sense. If only to stop them from opening this door to be able to retroactively take your guns away for crimes or allegations against you long ago, at a time where that wouldn't have made you a prohibited person. It's unfair, unjust, unconstitutional. But that's what's coming down the pike. That's what John Cornyn and these Republicans agreed to. Funding for school-based mental health and supportive services. Invest in programs to expand mental health and supportive services in school, including early identification intervention programs and school-based mental health and wraparound services. I don't have a problem with this. I don't have a problem with this. The problem I have is that this is what the GOP got in return for selling us out. This is what they got for selling us out. I've long posited, and I put it in my book, if we want to talk compromise, let, let's talk about the possibility of expanded background checks in exchange for nationwide concealed carry reciprocity. If you're going to have expanded background checks, then the people who pass those background checks should be trusted with carrying their firearms nationwide. That is the idea of a compromise. Now, you might say that's that's too far in the toward, towards the left, and I probably would agree with you, but that is the idea of a compromise, right? Both sides get something. In this situation, they are giving them red flag laws. They are giving them a new definition of a prohibited person. I haven't even gotten to the rest. In exchange, they're getting funding for mental health services. Funding for school training. And they want you to applaud them. No, uh, listen, I get it. In some way, you have to be thankful that the GOP didn't completely cave and give them an assault weapon ban or universal background checks. We got to at least be thankful for that. But there's no, there's no trophy for partially selling out selling us out. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't get a, a, a parade, a ticker tape parade for doing what they're doing here. Funding for school safety resources, invest in programs to help institute safety measures in and around primary and secondary schools, support school violence prevention efforts, and provide training to school personnel and students. It's going to be interesting to see whether this includes funding for concealed carry on campus, whether it be teachers, staff, administrators or school resource officers. I doubt Democrats are going to write a bill that gives money to train teachers in the use and 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 uh, and possession of concealed weapons. I, I don't see that happening. But the GOP is presenting that as the win. So we'll see. We'll have to see. Next one is a clarification of the definition of a federally licensed firearm dealer. It says it cracks down on criminals who illegally evade licensing requirements. Well, yeah, they're illegal gun sellers. It's always been illegal. Federal law, I go through this in the book, federal law defines um, a, a gun dealer who has to be licensed as someone who is in 
the industry, right? You're, you're buying and selling guns to turn a profit. It doesn't include the collector who collects guns over the course of a whole lifetime and as they get into the twilight of their years, decides to sell them off to, to limit down their collection. No, it includes people who are specifically buying low to sell high. And federal law has already prohibited that. Now, this is something that Kamala Harris promised. You'll see here from 2019, Kamala Harris vows to take executive action on guns if elected president. One of those promises was, quote, I will require for any gun dealer that breaks the law, the ATF take their license. She was calling on a crackdown of what constitutes a federally licensed gun dealer. So she's getting one of her little one of her little uh, planks in her platform. And what's the GOP getting? GOP is getting some mental health training. Mental health funding. Oh, fabulous. Great job, GOP. And here's the deal. If you commit this crime and you're selling firearms for a profit without the proper licensing, it already is a crime. It carries a, a, a prison sentence of five years and a fine of up to $250,000. It's already a crime. What makes me nervous is this sounds like they're going after non-dealers, right? Advocate. This has always been one of the left's proposals for how to get around um, the lack of private background checks, right? To go after the seller. If you can't do a background check on the buyer, go after the seller. The idea that if you sell more than one gun a year, you would be in the market, you'd be in the, uh, the industry. You'd be trying to turn a profit, and that would make you an unlicensed dealer. That's what the left has been proposing for years. We'll have to see what this language looks like when they actually write the bill, because again, this is just framework. But this is setting the stage for really terrifying stuff, because the left's goal has always been to limit how many guns an individual can sell before they have to uh, basically announce themselves as a federal firearms licensee. And anyone who has an FFL, you know it is incredibly tedious. There's lots of money involved. Lots of security features, background checks, paperwork, insurance. It's not easy to do. They want to force most people to do that if they sell too many guns a year. Telehealth investments. I have no idea what this is, but it, it, it sounds like just trying to say they're doing something. Invest in programs that will increase access to mental and behavioral health services for youth and families in crisis via telehealth. I think it's safe to say that in all of the mass shootings we've seen, a telehealth appointment with a uh, with a counselor or a psychiatrist wouldn't have stopped it. But hey, it, it's fine as long as this isn't the the take to the give. Another really terrifying one. We'll have to see what it actually means. How it's written under twenty one enhanced review process for buyers under twenty one years of age. It would require an in investigative period to review juvenile and mental health records, including checks with state databases and local law enforcement. So this is this can be written in a couple of ways. First of all, it depends on state law. Some states do not allow for juvenile records to be unsealed after the person turns 18, with some exceptions. So it'll be interesting to see if this is passes as is that fight in the courts, right? Because <laughs> I don't think the federal government has jurisdiction on deciding whether or not your juvenile records are open or not. But this other part, the investigative period to review the juvenile and mental health records. Pay close attention here, because as I mentioned in the actual 
922, uh, 18 U.S.C. Section 922, the mental health part of this is old, and it says you have to be adjudicated mentally defective or involuntarily committed to a mental institution. Most kids are neither of those things. Kids don't get adjudicated mentally defective unless they have some serious disabilities that require guardianship, someone to be a guardian over them. Look to see whether they try and include other mental health records as a disqualifier. The disqualifier is something that would come up on the NICS check and stop you from owning a gun. Just think about what they could put in here. Because again, we don't know. They haven't written it yet. This is just the framework. Would too many trips to a guidance counselor qualify? They say they're going to do an investigative period that checks with local law enforcement. Well, this is something that was mentioned in Parkland, Florida. The shooter there had the police called to his house multiple times, but he was never charged. He was never charged with the crime. With the police being called to a house over and over and over again, justify a no in the NICS system, uh, uh, blocking them from purchasing a gun, it's, it's going to depend. Right now, this is going to mean very little in states that do not allow juvenile records to be unsealed and in states that, uh, that typically don't put kids in mental hospitals if they act out of school. Pay attention to see if they expand those mental health definitions to include some of these other things. And then you're going to, then we have the really uncomfortable conversation of, well, if someone goes to the guidance counselor, has a bad breakup and, and starts thinking weird thoughts, does that mean that they suddenly lose the right to own a gun ever again? I think the answer would obviously be no, but this language seems like they want to make it yes. And then one more cracks down on criminals who illegally purchase and traffic straw purchased illegal guns. It's already a crime. It's already a crime to buy a gun for someone else, knowing that that person wouldn't have bought passed the background check. It's already a crime. It's already a crime. Just, just prosecute the crime. So you see that all these parts that the GOP claims to have gotten on our behalf, none of it helps us. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. The funding for schools, great. That shouldn't be conditioned on chipping away at our rights. That shouldn't be conditioned on expanding gun control to open the door for retroactive disarmament or red flag laws that confiscate guns from legally innocent people, right? Or forcing 18 to 20-year-olds to undergo an extra background check process and opening the door for other records to suddenly be included to prohibit them from ever owning a gun again. I mean, that alone, there are lots of states in this country have age discrimination laws on the books. The idea that 18, 19, and 20-year-olds will have to undergo an extra screening process. I'm sorry, they're adults. They're adult citizens. In many states, it is illegal to discriminate against someone on the basis of their age. So we'll have to see if that holds up. I know that there were challenges in Oregon over an Oregon law that, that would allow retailers to prohibit 18, 19, 20-year-olds from buying a gun. We'll have to see whether that survives any challenge. The point is, though, it shouldn't. We shouldn't even need the challenges. We should have a Republican Party who is just as fearful of us today as they were in 2012. Remember 2012? After Sandy Hook, there was a huge push for gun control. And it, in the beginning, it looked like the GOP was into it. But there was a huge swelling 
of opposition from conservatives and independents that stopped the GOP in its tracks. That's not here this time. The NRA is a paper tiger. They're fighting lawsuits all over the country, especially in New York. They, they don't have the power that they had 10 years ago. So who's left? Well, there's a few organizations that I like that I think do good work, but they're not the NRA. They don't have the power that the NRA had. It's up to you. See, the NRA, the left loves to paint the NRA as lobbyists for gun dealers and gun manufacturers. That's not true. The NSSF, they deal with the, with the actual industry. The NRA lobbies for its members. Those are men and women who own guns, care about the Second Amendment, and who paid a membership fee and donated so the NRA could lobby on their behalf. Well, the NRA isn't doing that now. They are. They're just not as effective. So what's left is you have to do it for yourself. You have to lobby for your own interests. That means calling your senator. That means calling your congressman, writing them emails, right? Reaching out and, and really putting pressure on them and making sure that they understand that this is a line that cannot be crossed. God do it. No one's going to do it for you. We are in use it or lose it territory. It's often said that the Second Amendment holds up all other freedoms. Right now, you need to use some of those other freedoms to defend the Second Amendment, including your right to free speech, including your right to petition the government for a redress of grievances, and your right to free assembly. If you do nothing, this will pass. If people continue going about their day, uh, pretending that this isn't happening, this will pass. But if you, if you put pressure on your legislators, if you protest, we can defeat this. We've defeated every time. There's no difference here. The only difference is we don't have the NRA to defend us. At least not as effectively as they used to. So we can still win this. Make no mistake, this isn't a done deal. Democrats are already seething over the fact that this is not everything they want. And as I mentioned in the beginning, it's entirely possible Democrats in the House might vote against this and demand more. It's not a done deal yet. You can still defeat this, but it really does require action. You have to take action. You have to fight with everything you've got. And that is not a call to violence. Some people out there will call for you to go into the street and, and do patriot stuff, right? It's, it's, this is not the time for that. But you have to fight with everything, every legal mechanism you have, every lawful mechanism you have. Because if you don't, if you let them pass this, it's gone. If you let the government retroactively take people's guns away for non-crimes committed years ago, then they can do that to all of us for anything. It's up to all of you. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. Um, I want to mention something. The Supreme Court is going to be issuing its Dobbs v. Jackson women's health decision. That's the Mississippi law that, uh, according to the draft, would overturn Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. I want to mention something because the media is not reporting it. This week, we had the fourth pro-life pregnancy center get bombed by abortion activists. The fourth one. This fourth one happened in, so there's Buffalo, um, Oregon, a few different places. It's the fourth, the fourth that's now been firebombed. Um, I, I do a lot of work with a pregnancy center in Las Vegas. This is a huge fear that everyone has. So all pregnancy centers I know of are, um, are increasing security to try and prevent these kinds of things, or at least 
keep people safe. You'll notice, though, that the government, the police, when they're talking about preparing for this Roe versus Wade reversal, they are not worried about the left attacking pro-life organizations. They are actually out there with talking points saying that they expect violence from the right. Just want to point this out because the media isn't covering this. Four pregnancy centers have now been firebombed since that uh, that draft ruling was released. Something we definitely have to um, share with people. Definitely have to get the word out because it, it's it's really getting dangerous out there. And this is before before the ruling has even come down. I shudder to think at what's going to happen when this ruling comes down. If it comes down the way the draft was written, there's going to be it's it's going to get it's going to get froggy. Let's just say it. it's going to get froggy out there. Um, so everyone, if, if you work in these, in these industries, if you work in these centers, please stay safe and please, uh, if you see something, say something. That's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire show. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the audio edition available on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, Audible. All those links are in the description. Um, and it, again, pick up my book. This is now, the, that now's the time to get this book, <laughs> the conservative's guide to winning every gun control argument. It's remarkable how many of these topics are in the book. Um, so if you haven't already, please do pick it up, support me, support the show and educate yourself so you can win these arguments. Cause these are the arguments that are happening right now. These are the debates happening, happening right now. And I enjoy seeing all of the comments from people on telegram saying that they bought the book. They love it. They they're using it. One woman, um, I think it was a woman, uh, I don't want to misgender you put a whole comment about the whole debate she had with someone and how this helped her, this book helped her win. So, um, I can't stress enough. If you want to learn how to debate these issues and win those debates, the book is The Conservative's Guide to Winning Every Gun Control Argument, available on Apple Podcast, on, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Links in the description. So that's going to be it for this edition of The Max McGuire Show. Again, my name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand and fight together. See you tomorrow.